podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Okay, good morning, everybody. Hello. Hello, good morning. (laughs) Hi. Hi. I always think like, oh, we're saying good morning to each other because it's morning. But yeah. what if a podcast listener is rec- is listening in the evening? Mm. It's, it's going to be very confusing. <laughs> I literally never had that thought, but you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good evening if it's evening and you're listening yeah, to us. Yeah, that's true. Or, yeah. You know, I don't know. Good afternoon. Whatever. All the times of the day. Yeah. We are sure. right Hello. now in the morning, which contributes <laughs> to the fact that my brain is working the way that it is. So apologies to everybody. <laughs> I saw you drinking your coffee and then I remembered that I had coffee and I got so Aww, excited. Oh, that's good. Mine's in, it's actually peppermint tea. It's in a Christmas mug because mm. oh, it's mine's coffee mug. with alcohol. <laughs> oh, good morning. I, I got, really? I got a, yeah, yeah. So I got this, it's like tippy cow peppermint bark rum cream. Uh, last night that sounds it's like a holiday treat you know so if you just put like a little tiny tiny bit it doesn't do anything for alcohol but it just tastes so good Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. you know yeah just a little treat peppermint bark yum yeah that does sound delicious um yeah I'm really distracted by trying to imagine what that tastes like in coffee right now um (laughs) but we're very excited because we have a we have a very special guest with us today welcome Mm -hmm. Liam hey Liam hey Liam woo Hello, everybody who's listening. Um, I've, I've never been on a podcast before, so I don't really know how this works. But you're listening, exciting. and when you're listening, hello. <laughs> you're doing great so far, um, yeah. and yeah. So we, so this is very, this is kind of an inaugural episode for us because this is the first guest that we've had on, who each one of us have, you know, are independently friends with as well as friends with together. So we all know Liam. We're all blessed to know him and have him in our lives. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to share a little bit about how that happened. How did Liam bust into each one of our lives? So who wants to go first? Who's got who's first their Liam story? I can go first. All right, go first, Aaron. Uh, so basically, it was about seven and a half years ago that I moved to Toronto to work at the Newman Center, and L- Liam has been my uh, compadre in that time, <laughs> the whole time. Like, there's not that many students who are there the whole time that I was there because that's that's a long time right but you did your master's first Liam right in your master's of theology and then uh and now he's doing a PhD in theology so he's he's uh, in it for the long haul you know so yeah I I wasn't even going to get involved with Newman actually in the beginning I was like (laughs) no I'm past this campus ministry stuff I'm too old but then my only friend in Toronto when I moved there was Aaron's roommate so yeah that didn't last (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's right yeah exactly I, I'm like I don't really want to get involved Aaron's like here's a shirt we're doing like <laughs> whatever tomorrow welcoming people yeah <laughs> that's right that's right you can give out popcorn welcome welcome let's put you to work yeah that's pretty much so, it actually Aaron a funny story um it came up on my memory is there's like this photo from a retreat that I went to in Winnipeg like hmm. before I moved to Toronto and you are in the photo as well no oh. way way what what, what <laughs> retreat was it Liam it was like at St. Therese I but like oh. Aaron is like right dab in the middle like can't miss her <laughs> I remember I think that was like a CCO fall retreat wasn't it yeah I think it was something like that 
Because Ben Turlin you guys actually there. like yeah, like each other? Ben, me, Aaron, Ben Turlin, Daniel Pettipal, like all these yep. people I got to know in Toronto are wow. in this yep. photo. It's really yep. trippy. That's Shout in Saskatchewan, right? That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the cool. first time I met Dan Pettipal. I was like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> you know, we you know we've known him for a long time because we call him Dan Pettipal. Right, you know. I think I met. I met Liam, yeah. Um, so I moved to Toronto in 2017. Um, and I was living at the Newman Center. And, you know, I don't, Liam, I don't really remember the first time I met you, but you've, you know, you've been kind of like, you study there a lot. So I remember, I think I came upstairs one time and people were talking about something, uh, something related to theology. And you just like, were like, oh, well, and you gave some sort of um, thought or you offered some sort of explanation. I remember just being like, oh, thank goodness, this is a refreshing. This guy is kind of like, you know, this guy thinks like me. He's not just kind of whatever, you know, I don't know. I just remember being like very um, uh, refreshed by whatever, you know, theological uh, thought you offered. So that was my introduction to Liam. And uh, so it's been good. And I've, I think, I feel like Liam, you're somebody who I feel like I've been able to just be very open and honest with. And we've had like good discussions and stuff and just... Yeah, it's a, it's a good, Liam's a great guy. Liam's a good friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of have the same thought where I'm like, not, I can't pinpoint exactly when we met Liam, but there's like very good early on experiences that I'm like, I remember that happened when we were first like friends. And I think we, one of them was we drove up to actually, we mentioned Dan Pedophile, Dan and Sarah's wedding. We, we drove up together oh. with Father Daniel, lots of other people. And yeah, there was, was a lot of theological say, debate. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I think that's when we met. Like that's when I, remember. maybe that is when we met. Cause um, I was but, friends with Trisha. Yeah. My sister. That's right. Before, mm -hmm. before I'm me. still friends with Trisha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. um, no, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, no, I think my, the thing that the early memory that stands out for me though, is when I started my master's that I'm doing now. And I did my, like one of my first courses in Toronto and I came to Newman cause I sort of knew Newman, but I wasn't, it wasn't like a home for me, like it was for everybody else, you know, and you were there and you were just so welcoming. And actually, I think I met Nicole for maybe the first time oh. that day because there was a group of students and you were like, Rachel, just come on and sit, sit with us. And I did. And it was just really nice. So That's yeah, right. you were just very welcoming. Liam's a very welcoming human. Yeah. He's great. So clearly we love Liam. Yes. <laughs> that has been established. Um, mm -hmm. But we're also so grateful that you're here to share you know, your story with us and, um, and how, um, you know, how the wisdom that you've gotten from your experiences, specifically around mental health and suffering. So we just wanted to start off asking you, you know, what kinds of, what kinds of experiences are those where, what is your story around this? And, and yeah, maybe just share a little bit with us about that. So I think thing I really would like to do to start is for the listeners at home is to distinguish between um, what OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder actually is, what um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder is, and what the media kind of paints it out to be. So obsessive compulsive personality disorder, that's like when you get frustrated if your pens aren't aligned or things aren't straight or whatever. And I'm, there's a, I'm not a psychiatrist by any means, but there's, from what I have read, there's a debated even how much comorbidity this even has with OCD and mm -hmm. if they should change the name of it, which I think they should, because it is so different. Then there's the media kind of puts like 
more of what they call OCD is really more of really bad obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So actual mm -hmm. OCD, it's almost like there's a separate entity living inside your head that is constantly torturing you. So it's like you have these thoughts, which at the very end, you know, are not true, but the only way to like not give the thoughts power is to ignore them, but you can't ignore them because you have the compulsion to constantly challenge them. And then, so in addition to like these torturous, torturous thoughts, just can, if you're, when it was really bad, it was taking up like five, six hours of my day and it was brutal. I think Aaron knew me when it was really bad. I think when I really got to know you two, I had it more under control or with Rachel before I, like you came to U of T when I saw you, I was usually in, just in period periods of like lucidity by God's grace. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it's like, just like there were days when I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't do anything. And then like the worst part is that any little thing can trigger you because OCD gets really tricky. So when you're thinking of obsessions, like I remember I was watching the Oscars one time and Lady Gaga was singing and that made me think that she was engaged at the time to Taylor Kinney. And that made me think of Chicago Fire, which made me think of firefighters, which made me think of something else, which then triggered something. And I had like really bad OCD. Like at the time, the obsessions could last for days. Like now mm -hmm. they're might last a couple minutes or whatever if I'm in a good space mm -hmm. but they could last for days they're reoccurring and they're just they are debilitating like people talk about OCD clinicians talk about OCD being one of the most debilitating diseases mental illnesses that there is and it really is and the worst part is most of the time like people can't tell or you get so good at sort of faking it that you pass as someone who's not mm -hmm struggling with these things and people don't right. say I mean that's why like when people say like oh I I'm so OCD that's like the most hurtful thing to someone with OCD mm. that I think mm. someone can say it's like I remember telling it to my spiritual director my old spiritual director once and she was saying like well yeah that that makes sense because people don't go around being like oh my gosh I'm so cancer about this mm. Mm. yeah mm. totally right. <laughs> yeah that's I've never really thought true. of it that way yeah yeah how did it start? Like, how did it kind of start for you, Liam? Like, how did you um, end up getting like diagnosed with it? And what was that? So was that the like? diagnosis and it's, I'm a nerd who prepares for things. So I was <laughs> re-listening to the podcast episodes, which were out to like, get ready for this. And I actually really related to what Nicole's mom was saying on, I think mm -hmm. your second episode. Cause like for the longest time I wasn't diagnosed and that was mm -hmm. sort of not religion's my fault through so I kind of mm. one of my first real obsessions was like vocational stuff and then mm. so I just thought like oh I'm just fighting this and I went through vocation and I sort of discerned that I don't think I have a calling to religious life or whatever and because I was doing spiritual direction long distance I don't think that which I would not recommend I was mm -hmm. a one he was a wonderful director but just because we were not together I don't think he could see the actual pain that I was going through and mm. be able to realize like yeah this is not this this is something else so it's not regular discernment there's something it's else not regular discernment like no one is even people who are kind of like fighting it aren't like this worried they aren't like sweating buckets freaking mm -hmm. out like mm -hmm. arguing this can't even look at a freak out like full religious freak out and then so when you get over OCD it switches that's kind of the thing like there's like 
four or five primary obsessions that the disease has. There's like religious stuff, scrupulosity, blasphemy. And I don't mean like little scruples. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you look at someone like say Martin Luther, who's suspected to have OCD would allegedly make like four hour confessions. Mm -hmm. And then he'd get out and he'd turn around and he'd go back in because he'd worried Mm -hmm. that he'd forgotten something and the entire thing was invalidated and he'd have to go again. And um, there's this beautiful line where his confessor apparently once told him like, you know, if you're going to keep coming like this, can you confess something interesting? Because all you're <laughs> confessing right now are picadillos. <laughs> picadillos. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. So then there's germs and contamination, which is mm. like the, so when people think about hand washing, that's the compulsion. That's not the obsession. The obsession mm. might be like, oh, I touched something with a red spot was that blood did i have a cut on my hand oh my god do i have aids i need to scrub the aids out and like you know you know deep down that you there's no air kills aids there's no way and you also you can't scrub aids out but Mm -hmm. everything's telling you you do i fortunately never had this obsession which i'm very grateful about Mm. which is like and you'll scrub your hands raw so there's that one there's contaminant there's harm ocd there's worried that you're gonna harm yourself or others and like that one is very debilitating too i imagine there's a relationship ocd which is a terrifying one because it not only can it make you question relationships that you're in it can also like make you not feel anything during the relationship and like mm-hmm. i've heard people talk about like being with someone and being like oh yeah i love this person so much and i just don't feel anything and that just crushes you on two levels which is and then one that's prob- maybe more common nowadays because OCD really fits to the time and fits to the media, it latches onto what it can is like sexuality-based OCD so that you're going to change mm-hmm. your sexual orientation or that you're going to become a pedophile. I have never had that one either, but I imagine it's also absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. or that yeah. like, you know, you're going to have some other weird predilection like bestiality or something like that. So these are... Mm-hmm that that's what OCD is it's not about like numbers and stuff and for the people who do have to have everything in straight lines and whatever it's a compulsion it's kind of like I read some this one guy who one time was talking about like he couldn't step on cracks but it wasn't like an OCD it was literally he would think of like don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back and he thought that if he was Mm. going to step on a crack like his mother would be harmed okay Mm mm-hmm Thanks so for explaining that. Yeah, I think that's helpful. Um, <clears throat> even just like, yeah, there's, I think there's still a lot of mystery behind mental health stuff. So it's helpful to have mm-hmm. kind of OCD mm-hmm. explained in that way. So thank you for that. Yeah. 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 Even just in the last little while, like I've, I've um, come to know of a couple of people who are still kind of in the mind frame of medication is bad. Treatment for mental health is bad. Mm-hmm. Like all of those kind of things, because there's such a stigma about it yeah. still, you know, and it seems like it's so normalized in some ways. Like, I mean, it's visible, but yeah. Yeah. Medication has completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The medication I'm on mm-hmm. has really gotten me from the point where like there were days when I couldn't get out of bed and just couldn't function to like the point where now like I can unless I'm really, really, really stressed, I can usually dismiss thoughts within like a minute or an hour and like Mm -hmm. the same reoccurring obsessions Mm -hmm. come back, but I have a lot more 
control over it. I know what to do. I know the steps take. I know not to seek reassurance from anyone. That's the other problem with OCD is you start mm. seeking reassurance from people who can't give you reassurance, who aren't supposed to give you reassurance. And it almost becomes like, then that becomes like almost an addiction. So on the one hand, mm. you've got these obsessions and compulsions. On the other hand, you've got this sort of like addiction to the reassurance because the more reassurance you get, the less it calms you. Mm -hmm. it's funny Liam because I remember like when I first you know you said you had kind of a journey with this right um and I think I can I can even just know you in the last you know three and a half years I can see that because I I remember a couple conversations um when I in the you know maybe the first year I was in Toronto and you were explaining this thing about reassurance to me and how it's like if you're seeking when for you like if you seek reassurance from people that that's actually not the most helpful thing for you right and then I remember there was a couple occasions where you were, I think, just in a moment and having like having one of these obsessive thoughts that was kind of intrusive and you you happened to be happened to be around and you kind of was like, OK, this is a thought. And I was like, wait, and I was like, wait, this is the thing we're, we're asking for reassurance. Right. And so then I think I was like, OK, then I think I'm not supposed to say anything. Right. And you were like, oh, yeah, right. I told you. And then you then you handled that. So I thought that was actually um, really cool that you were able to even involve like your community and being like, okay, if I'm in this moment, I, what I don't need is reassurance. And, mm-hmm. and then, and so basically helping me to know what to do in that circumstance, because I didn't know, right. What's helpful for you if you're having a moment like that. So I think that's also like, um, I think that's something really neat about you is you've been able to communicate what you need, you know, or what you don't need or what's helpful. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's our basic human condition, I think, to want to help people, especially yeah. in like, so like it's very hard when you see someone struggling with something like OCD and it's like no don't you're helping them by not helping them and I mm-hmm. yeah so right yeah um kind of piggying piggying back on piggy I don't know how to say I don't know piggybacking piggybacking <laughs> piggybacking <laughs> yes <laughs> piggying back when <laughs> anyways um yeah so kind of going off of that question from Nicole um you know, you have been really open, Liam, about, and you have been even just now, but generally as your friends, you, we've experienced that openness from you sharing, sharing your experiences and sharing your struggle and just the reality that you're living and, um, which is really beautiful. And I think for all of us is a hard thing to do with anything that, anything hard that any of us are going through, you know? So that's something that is very admirable. And, but we were wondering like, what has that been like for you to share so openly with others what has that experience of sharing sharing with others been like for you and I wasn't always open at the beginning I kind of tried to keep it to myself and that just almost drove you insane and then I think it was um, on the feast of Saint Mark father one year I think the first year of my PhD father Chris Kalki yeah, it would have been because Father Chris was so there, gave a sermon about St. Mark being the patron saint of second chances. And I hadn't thought about that. And I was like sort of praying on it after. And I was like, well, maybe I should like give myself a second chance to be like open and vulnerable with people. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this big long note on Facebook, basically. I remember that. Yeah. Condition and everything. And it felt so liberating. And people were, people were generally supportive. And there's like a few people who still don't get what OCD is. And like right. over time, you just realize that, you know, some people you just can't educate and that's just the thing. But over time, after mm-hmm. writing that note, I guess I was open with it. So I talked about it and I found that, sorry, my nose is itchy. Um, I found <laughs> that I 
it was easier then to sort of let new people in on it than to mm. have like, although I don't so much anymore because I've got it. Mm. That's fine. Like I'll bring it up, but it's like not a thing mm. I feel need. But mm. so um, anyways, like, but because I'd written that long note, people started just asking me questions about mental illness. And, mm. and so I started educating myself. I started like trying to respond. I started to try and bring it into the light of things because I realized that a lot of things in life but also in like Catholicism and the way I pray and the way I discern and the way certain things because of OCD are things that have to be done differently like that mm. from a typical person like it's an atypical way of doing things like discernment when you've automatically got a voice saying like you should do this you should do this you should do this you should do mm. this you should do this. you have to you can't I mean you should never have the baseline decision if you're bringing something's necessarily from God's voice but with mm -hmm. the OCD, it's like, especially like I said, there's like the people who struggle with like vocation or mm. other spiritual choices or sin, like it might not be God or the devil, it might be mm. your OCD, like you really have to learn to do that. So it makes it like there's certain rules of discernment, like Ignatius's rules of discernment and stuff that sometimes, yeah, it's ironic, ironic because Ignatius had scrupulous thoughts, but that sometimes don't necessarily work if you have OCD or because of the phrasing, you mm. can read too much into them and you have to like acknowledge that. So I'm not sure how I go on this oh, tangent that's... as is what usually happens in my life. But no, that's good. <laughs> no, great, yeah. I think that's really, really good because um, just in the sense that, okay, we have, yeah, we have such a beautiful tradition um, when it comes to discernment and trying to become in tune with, with ourselves and in tune with the Holy Spirit. But when I, if you have, if you're struggling with OCD and part of you, part of what you're struggling with is these intrusive thoughts, it's this other factor that, that we need to account for. And so, um, yeah, I think that's really, really important, you know, that we, um, especially maybe if there's a tendency in some of us, uh, or, you know, we still hear this, like, well, you know, um, people with some mental health stuff. Okay, well, you just need to pray more. You need to be more surrendered to God. You need to not worry, all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's like, okay, we actually need to find a way of like, how do we help people who are are trying to discern vocation and are trying to, you know, work through your spiritual growth and, and away from scrupulosity, um, but have a framework that, you know, can still be, you know, part of this, the beauty of Ignatian discernment or things like that, but to account for this other voice, mm -hmm. this other kind of, the, that intrusive um, thoughts, like you're saying, that kind of the little sort of thought monster in the background or whatever, you know? I mean, the beauty of our tradition is it's so vast. Like I have found, Carm I studied at Jesuit school, but I've actually found Carmelite discernment very helpful because mm -hmm. John of the Cross's baseline is if you get a thought in a religious experience, chalk it up to being excited because you're in a religious experience and then ignore it mm -hmm. unless until you talk to a spiritual director. Mm -hmm. Like when you have those Cause like we've all had people and like discernment and stuff like because there are like genuine things and like you might think you're discerning like say a vocation or a relation like for example relationships like mm -hmm. the vocation of marriage we all have probably had the people where we're like oh yeah i've authentically prayed and stuff and at the time it was right and i really felt called that i was going to be with this person and then you break up and it's like oh hey so like you need to learn the difference <laughs> between like you know like what god needs you to do i think sometimes in the moment with discernment mm, yeah. and what like OCD or even other people, other natural voices, like it's like OCD. Yeah. It even, it even makes me think about um, how well the Lord knows us, you know, like that, that, 
that he's not in a box with any of us. And that even if like, sometimes we have that thing when we're, when we're talking about discernment, like if I make a wrong choice, then I'm screwed. Like my mm-hmm. life is done. I'm off track. <laughs> yeah. The Lord can't accomplish his will in my life at all. Like, it's like, I yeah. mean, it's you know what I mean? It's like making yeah. God into a human being who's yeah, like going to write right. us off and like, doesn't have any power to change anything. And who's you know? entirely but, not creative. You know, that's as soon right, as yeah. one plan goes wrong, he's like, oh no, I don't know. What to, you know like, yeah, that's if, right. That's right. So yeah. like, you know, yeah. Which is so yeah. weird, but we do that all yeah. the time, I think. And, but this particular topic, I think with, with like mental health, because even I think with people who experienced depression like for me personally I've experienced depression on a number of occasions in my life and in that time um like just knowing that that I don't need to be discerning or that I don't actually that Mm. I can just wait and that the Lord will still tell me in that time if I do need to be doing something it might look different than how it looks at other times when I'm able to pray like in a more concrete way or something you know Yeah, I think that is the big thing where Ignatius is absolutely right and where I think people fundamentally misinterpret Ignatius these days is that when Ignatius uses consolation and desolation, he does not mean feeling good and feeling bad. Mm -hmm. You can feel great and be in a state of desolation. Right. You can feel terrible and be, again, going back to my breakup example, you can feel terrible and be in a state of consolation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How have you found that Liam? Like, how did you, maybe even talking about like a spiritual director or how did you kind of come from like learning how to pray and learning how to discern with like with OCD? Yeah. Trial and error, mostly error Mm. with people in my life. Um, A friend of mine said to me once, and I think she was right that like, you God will speak to you through other people. I don't know. Mm Like, so like if other people tell you, like, that's a big part of any discernment, I think if other people keep telling you, no, no, no. And like, you look at it logically, like these things haven't worked for you. This person hasn't worked for you. That idea hasn't worked for you. You would be stupid to apply for this job or do that. Like, and that, that keeps coming. Then like, you have to recognize, you know, God, we're the body of Christ, right? And God speaks mm-hmm. through his members in his church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just... Try no, sorry, keep going. Yeah, sometimes with prayer, like a big thing for me with prayer and discernment was that because like adoration is very hard for me because I'm left alone with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was saying to God one time, as used to before OCD, I was a late onset. So before OCD, I loved adoration. I still love adoration, but it's completely mm-hmm. different. But I was saying to God one time, like, how come like, yo, I'm here, like right before you all vulnerable, and like, this is when like, you know, I need you the most. I'm having these thoughts and you are always just silent and like kind of got a voice in my head. Like you should not give reassurance to loved ones with OCD. And I was like, oh, I, I see you, Lord. It wasn't like a God oh, speaking to me voice. It was no, just like right. something that I don't get those. I'll, I don't get those, but it was like something like just in my head. I just knew like, you're not supposed to you give reassurance. And I was like, oh, okay. So God's not giving me reassurance. And this was- He's being before, a good friend. <laughs> this is yeah. before I got to that level with other people. And maybe it helped me mm. get to that level with other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, another thought that I've had about the same thing is like, I have all these thoughts in like prayer, adoration and stuff. And it's like, well, if you're not supposed to talk about your OCD, like since the Lord knows you more than anyone else, like adoration, I guess, is the best time to have these thoughts because like the Lord knows mm-hmm. them anyways. Like if I'm going to work through something, it's better to mm-hmm. work through it with him there, like face to face, than it is to, you know, bottle it up and 
Yeah. it's just so beautiful like it's so beautiful oh, really how he truly. works with our our like broken like whatever brokenness we have whatever suffering we're experiencing like whatever you know what I mean whether it's yeah whether it's mental health or whether it's a wound or whether it's something like just how gentle he is and how he pursues us how he pursues us like vehemently mm -hmm. in those things without you know even when we when it takes us like for me often it takes a long time to respond like he'll be pursuing yeah. me I'll be like yeah bye no, I'd prefer to do it this way Lord and then eventually, you know I'm just gonna but, try it this way first that's I mean, right and, and then it might I work crash better. and burn yeah. 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 with OCD that's like another one of those things like you never know what is and what it's like the default mm. that I was told by a very wise white nun is shout out sister agnes is don't look for signs where like like if god gives you a sign it'll be clear in your face mm. yeah. yeah 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 that's so that's true cool. um what about sorry go ahead nicole yeah well i just what i was wondering about um you know you're talking about some of the things that have been helpful um mm. but like counseling or therapy or or any i, I don't know what, what practical things have have helped you in this process their medication i already said it's been a big yeah. help mm -hmm. therapy has been a big help um psychiatry has been a big i should say another mm -hmm. psychiatry i go to a psychiatrist i don't go to a psychologist and i think that mm -hmm. is a big difference because ocd is a medical condition like yeah. going to a psychologist helps a lot of people i just mm -hmm. but for me i found like a psychiatrist as someone like extremely helpful and it's it is a different thing than therapy. I've been in therapy before too. For me, I feel like when I went, the therapy I've tried was just giving myself more reassurance by talking mm. through all these things. Mm -hmm. But so I found that helpful. I know a lot of people think like psychiatrists are scary. They're kind of people you only go to if you have like a chronic mental illness, but OCD is a chronic mental illness. So get over <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. being open about because when you talk about it's a very common like one in 10 people I think have it mm. it's like there have been times when I've mentioned it and other people have been like oh yeah I have that too and it's like oh do you have the thing or oh yeah I have the thing do you have the thing like oh yeah I got that thing <laughs> and it's like in a way that only people with OCD understand and you can form these mm. beautiful because the best people to help people with OCD are people with OCD because it's a very yeah. interesting and those yeah. are some very interesting relationships because they're very much like harmonious. And sometimes I've got, sometimes I'm down and I've got the other person reminding me to stick to it. And then like, mm. but then other times it'll be vice versa. They'll be in the throes of some obsession. And I'll just be like, dude, or yeah. come on. That's Maybe cool. I could ask like, cause I remember, I mean, we had tons of conversations like while I was at Newman, like, so like, intense conversations you know or times when we're talking about lots of different things where um where we weren't always agreeing or where they were like you know heated conversations or and they always like I love having those conversations with you because at the end of it we talk it out and then we have a big hug and then stuff is good um and I love hugs but but even in in that like I know I have not loved you perfectly in those times Times, for example, you know, because it's um, because I don't have the that same experience exactly like you're talking about to be able to speak into that. Um, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering just like, how do you I've always I've never felt, um, I guess, diminished or um, I've never felt from you like you were blaming me for not understanding you, which I think mm -hmm. is a really profound thing and a real That's a big thing. Yeah. 
it's yeah. a big thing. Like you have a gift for, for that. Thank you. It's, so beautiful. <laughs> it's true though. And so I'm wondering like how that, like how you reconciled that with, I mean, I can imagine that sometimes it's just frustrating not to have people understand or, you know, like how does that kind of work mm-hmm. itself out for I mean, you? There, yeah. there are two things here. Sometimes in our conversations, I just disagreed with you. I'm saying that yeah. because sometimes there's a yeah. misconception like people yeah. will be like like I'll be like oh I, I need to go to mass today and like I just really want to go to mass today because I'm a <laughs> theology student I like so yeah. some people are like oh well no that's out of your way it's probably just your OCD you're probably just being scrupulous and like I know when it's yeah. OCD and I know when it but yeah. to that point I mean I think that was part of the like that whole giving everyone a second chance and coming out and mm-hmm. being open with it and stuff is realizing that yeah no one is going to understand this but it's okay because I don't understand it but it's okay because the Lord understands it and like you can't especially mm-hmm. with a mental illness because mental illness is so different well physical illness too the more I learn about illness the more I see like illness is so different for each person you yeah. can't expect the person to understand it perfectly and yeah. it's almost like you're saying, like, it's like, if I expect you to understand my mental illness perfectly, I'm just deluding myself. But what I can do is like in love and charity, kind of try and explain it to you as mm-hmm. best I can. It's what I'm feeling. And I feel that if you do that, right, then you and pray for people too who don't understand it and when you do those things then I've done everything I could and if you still don't understand my Erin does understand mental illness she's been very supportive of me for these years listeners at home I'm just using a royal <laughs> thing but like to answer her question but if you don't then I if you still don't understand but I've then done everything I can yeah to like yeah. try and educate you like I've done my due diligence and you just don't understand and at that point it's kind of like okay well you know (laughs) I'm now I'm just gonna say what I feel and I've tried to explain it to you and I've had other people where that's happened and if you don't get where I'm coming from like I'm not going to change Mm -hmm. my opinion of this because you disagree. I'm not a psychiatrist. You're not a psychiatrist. Only one of us mm-hmm. has this illness, but I'm also not going to necessarily sweat where you're coming from. Cause I don't think with most people with something like OCD, and that's why I just try to explain to people like, Oh no, that's not what OCD says. Please don't say I'm so OCD. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't coming out of a place of ignorance. I don't think like there's, they might, choose to remain in a place of ignorance when you offer Mm -hmm. them stuff but they're not coming out of a place of ignorance Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day you just have to let god control it and one of my favorite ocd resources actually is this book that i'm holding Mm -hmm. up it's called can christianity cure obsessive compulsive disorder and it's by um, dr ian osborne who i like he's a triple threat he has ocd he's a psychiatrist and he's a practicing christian and the grandson of a minister and he's really done his due diligence with this and he kind of says that with ocd the ultimate thing with ocd is like you need reassurance you need trust like that's trying to find that so he said ultimately the thing that he's figured by looking at famous uh, 
Christians, he thinks he has OCD and he's very ecumenical. He talks about Luther, John Bunyan, and St. Therese. Um, is, he says, the thing with all of them is at the end, they ultimately just put their trust in God. So you just say like, Lord, like I didn't cause this. I can't control it. It's just my OCD, which is like a common thing. I'm giving it over to you now. And I feel mm -hmm. when you develop that attitude of I'm giving it over to you now, you can easily transfer it to, Lord, I didn't cause this person. Can't control this person. I love this person because I know you love them so much. So I'm giving this over to you now. Because That's as awesome. one one priest colleague of mine, I teach RCIA, and I was having trouble with this parishioner, and like she just couldn't understand things. And I was talking to this priest colleague of mine. I'm like, you know, any tips? And he goes like, Yeah. Sometimes you realize people just don't get it and you have to ask the Holy Spirit to do it because he's better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think um, we're going to head into God winks in a, in a, in a minute, but um, what just strikes me, Liam, about our conversation so far, and even just knowing you is there's this, there's a song by Sarah Groves. You might know it, Nicole, cause we both oh, probably, her. I know all her songs. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's called, I think it's called like a lake. And in, she describes like, she's this line. It's one of my favorite songs of her. She's like, um, everything in me is, uh, tightening, tightening, curling in around this ache. And I'm fighting to be open, um, like lake and sort of the analogy she has is like, God, when you're, when you were near a lake, you really reflect the image of God so much more beautifully than if you sort of curl in around your pain and your and your hurt and your suffering. And I think you really have been in a lot of ways an example of that for me in my life as someone who yeah. like fights to con constantly be open. And, and you've given us a lot of the ways in which God has helped you to do that, like having compassion mm -hmm. for other people who just don't understand or, mm -hmm. you know, looking for resources and using everything that God has put in your path to, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to work with the reality that you're in and to be as healthy as you can be. But the way that you treat other people, I think that has this, op this openness that yeah. it's really something that's fought for and something that is yeah. not necessarily it's, it's work to be open like that. Um, yeah. which is something that is, has always been very inspiring for me as a friend, you know, to see. So, yeah. 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 And Amen. the sense that I get, yeah. And it's just like, you can, and what, you know, what struck me, same thing is just that you said, you know, it doesn't matter if other people don't understand me because God does, you know, mm -hmm. and in that you, you're not, you have that, it's like you're, it's like that thing of a child, well, God's holding me. I don't need anyone else to, I can, I can help them. I can try to educate mm -hmm. them, but you, you've got that dependence on God. And I just think that's so, so beautiful. And I think that I mean, comes across it, in it your interactions with people. It matters a lot. The dependence is what I strive towards, but like, I'm not Mm -hmm. yeah like yeah, I, yeah. all of us <laughs> i just say one last thing before you mm -hmm. do godway yeah it's a beautiful quote um mother Teresa once compared mental illness to the crown of thorns she said like mental mm -hmm. illnesses and she mm -hmm. struggled we know now with intense anxiety but i really just love that quote so much because like the crown of thorns is something you never think of in the passion it's just something that like it's there and it's constantly pressing mm. against Jesus. Like it's not mm. like the lash or carrying the cross or whatever. Like so it's just something that it's there and it's constantly pressing against him. And I think like that's mm. like just such mm -hmm. a good way of her anal mm. analogizing, is that mm. analogizing? Um, mental illness with Christ's suffering. Like it's just something mm. it's there. It's something that's constantly pressing yeah. against you, but yeah. Just yeah. like the crown of thorns becomes the crown of glory, it's Jesus's victory crown. So too is this mental mm -hmm. illness and all the purification, all of those are going to be our victory crowns. And 
God willing, get us to the day when we only have one obsession, and that's the God that we see face to face. Amen. Right? Wow, that's <laughs> incredible. So good. Um, also, I'm sorry I passed on my word, my my verbiage issues to you. <laughs> you were so good right up until the end. Oh, oh man. Um, that's so beautiful. So yeah, so true. I've never mm-hmm. actually thought about the crown of thorns like that. That's very, like, I'm going to be taking that, I think, to prayer because that's really, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You need to be somewhat as holy as Mother Teresa to come up with something like that. <laughs> I, I certainly could. <laughs> Good point. That's right. That's why we have the saints. Yep. Good points. Um, so God winks, right. you guys. So Liam, you know, yes. you've listened to some of our episodes already. You know what God winks are. So we, we invite you to every episode of this podcast <laughs> at the time of the recording. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we, if you have a God wink, please do share, but yeah, God winks, who wants to share first? I want to go last. I want to go last. Okay. Okay. I can, I can go, go first. Last. Okay. Thanks Nicole. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think one of my God winks was that, okay. So because of, of COVID, um, so I'm a, I'm a full-time student, a PhD student, but I have just had a couple little um, part-time job things. And both of those, I lost both of those this week because of, um, the situation getting worse in Toronto and which is of course kind of like, Oh, okay. Ah, you know? Um, but as well this week, I got two just completely out of the blue messages, um, on one just this morning, um, asking me if I can like, just basically offering either asking for, for, uh, Skype music lessons. Uh, so little or another another kind of little job opportunity that people just randomly reached out. Um, and so just feeling just the, the reminder of the Lord just being like, yeah, don't worry, you know. Um, so that was that's my God being for this week. That's so amazing. beautiful. That's cool. I, mm-hmm. um, I guess I can go next. I've been using I feel like I don't have a God wink this week. That's like a clear event or anything, but I've been using this gratitude journal that someone gave me um every day after sort of doing like the daily readings when I kind of look at it as like the end of my prayer time and the other day it said something like um like something like if you were to die tomorrow like what you know what are the three things that you would just thank God for like that you would say thank you Lord for these three things in my life and I I was thinking like you know simple things like my my family my friends and the third one actually came to my mind was healing because I've experienced Mm -hmm. lots of healing in the last few years and it was so like, it was just a simple exercise like that. And I, I was like weirdly in not weirdly, but I was in tears at the end of just literally listing those three things. Cause I just realized like, wow, the Lord has provided for me in so many ways in my life in the biggest ways possible. And I'm so grateful. And I just, it just brought back to me the fact that that's something I don't do very often. I just don't thank him for, for, um, for what, for what he's given me. So it was good. It was really strong, good reminder mm-hmm. of that for me. So. Yeah, that's great. I had a Godwink during the podcast. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> meta, meta so, Godwink. Yeah. <laughs> because it's funny because Rachel, you were just saying all those nice things about me. Thank you so much for them. But it was funny because when you were saying them, like that's really how I feel about you. And one of the reasons I became so open with my suffering was um when my grandfather was dying, um, Trisha was very, very, probably the most supportive person in my friend group, but she would always, when I would bring this up, say like, oh, and can you pray for my sister? She's going through this. She's asking people to pray for her. And then like just this, that idea, laying like some groundwork in me of how open you were with your suffering when I like 
barely knew you, but asking people to like pray for you made me be like, oh, well, I could be more open with my suffering. So that's so cool. Oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for the prayers, Liam, because they definitely great God wink. Yeah. Um, okay. For mine, the reason why I wanted to go last is because it kind of brings it full circle because my God wink is basically Liam. Um, <laughs> because uh, so both of you would know ladies and then some of the other people who are listening would know as well. But when I left Newman on the day, like my last um, day or one of the last days anyways that I was there, uh, I I came and Liam was like, are you going to be at Newman after? I'm like, yes. And then I came and met him and then he was like, okay, sit here. And there was a computer screen in front of me. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> but um, he contacted like a ton of people who are past students and current students and um, and just asked them to to film some affirmations for, for me and put it together into this beautiful video. And um, I watched it again last week or a few days ago whatever it was when I texted you Liam but um but I just had to say like that that for me is such a gift because because I'm such a visual person you know and so um being able to see that and hear that especially when I'm doubting like did I do the right thing what is happening with my life how can you use me Lord if I can't do anything you know and I can only sit in a chair and do nothing like how can you do anything so it's for me it's like a continual um just a continual act of love. So I wanted to thank you for that, for organizing that. It was oh, a really wow. cool gift. Thank <laughs> these ladies too. Nicole was I'm crying. I know. We're both big parts of it too. So. But, okay. Well, yeah. thank you too, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, great to talk with you today. Rachel corrected my spelling. Nice. <laughs> You're welcome. Nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So guys, thank you for this conversation, Liam. It's been mm-hmm. such a blessing to have you with us. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I think so people have learned so much, you know, just mm-hmm. there's from every, every angle, like a little bit more about OCD and mental illnesses, but also the value of being open and sharing, sharing your life with, with other people and not being afraid to do that and how God can work through that. So God bless you, Liam. Thank you for being yeah. here. Thanks, Liam. Thank you You're so great. Thank you. And yeah, and we'll see everybody next. We'll we'll see you here. You'll hear us next week, Monday. Yep. Ciao. All right. Bye, Bye. folks. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.